So you blew me off for a bottle of tequila. Tequila's no good for you. Doesn't call, doesn't write. It's not nearly as much fun to wake up to. Hi, this is Tamsin. Hi, I'm Ayla, and this week on Scalpels and Tequila, we are going to be discussing the return of Season 18, Episode 5, Bottle Up and Explode. This episode concludes a crossover event that starts Episode 5, Season 5 of Station 19. An explosion rocks Seattle, sending Owen deep into his PTSD. The surgeons gather and prepare the OR for the worst-case scenario. Station 19's Victoria and Pat are rushed in and treated. Wilson and Hayes operate on Farouk. Bailey and Ben deal with the loss of a good friend. Meanwhile, in Minnesota, Meredith brings in a consult that causes tension. Amelia and Kai experience a different kind of tension of their own. What a mess. What a clusterfuck of a video. This episode was such a mess. I'm furious. I have so many feelings. I have so many emotions. And it's mainly like... I'm just frustrated. This is the third time, the third time that we have been led to believe mm-hmm. something big is going to happen. And what what do we get? We get me spending 45 minutes trying to take notes on the first 20 minutes of the episode because I have absolutely no idea what is going on. Also, explosion. Did somebody drop a cup somewhere? <laughs> I'm just, I'm upset. I'm upset. Okay, hang on. I've, we have so many feelings. We actually even started recording this a little bit early because we couldn't – we didn't want to talk to each other without recording because we thought good stuff might slip out. Do you want to hear some little bits and pieces of uh, us talking to each other before recording? <laughs> During this episode, it got to the point where I actually started watching before Tamsin. Mm-hmm. I was – trying to talk to her about it because I was so mad and she's like no 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 just just record voice messages send it to me don't send any spoilers and my notes are just like I'm just going to play this from Facebook Messenger into the the microphone oh we really should have watched at least a season of station 19 I've got no idea what's going on (laughs) in my mind the only thing interesting that happened in this episode is when I made this sound at approximately minute 38. (gasps) (laughs) One good thing happens in this episode, this pile of trash of an episode. (laughs) So we have have emotions. (laughs) Trying not to give spoilers. Uh, So yeah, listening to the voice notes was... Pretty fun. Yeah, how are we going to do this episode? Because there's there's a lot. So we're actually going to do this episode a little bit differently. We're going to go through kind of the things that happen in the episode. So we're not going to go scene by scene or patient by patient because pff, what even. We're going to go kind of concept or event by event. But to start off, I'm just going to say I'm pretty disappointed in the title of this episode and in Meredith's monologue because they don't connect. And I I think, here we go. So it's called Bottle Up and Explode. And Meredith's monologue was, in a recent experiment, scientists discovered that single human cells in a Petri dish will seek out each other and adhere to each other to form new connections. When cells team up, they become stronger and thrive and evolve and eventually become something bigger than their single selves Single cells ever could have been. I just find that so boring. So are they talking about conjoining Station 19 and Grey's Anatomy and something big will happen? Or are they talking about, like, working as a team? Yeah, it totally could be either. And it's so – I think it's just so weirdly connected to, like – because at the – okay, so she does her monologue and then there's kind of little snapshots – of a bunch of different people all before the opening titles. So it's like Weber and Winston in the elevator kind of starting to become friends and then... Oh, no, that's that's not even how it starts. It starts with the one trope that I currently hate texting. in modern TV. Mm-hmm. Grey's in her hotel room texting Nick and he's like, what are you wearing? A chastity belt. Oh, my God, it's so funny. Oh, and then oh my, God. Uh, my heart just fucking sinks because Winston's texting Maggie in the elevator and Maggie's asking for nudes and you're like 
No, no, no. I, I, we, we want Maggie. Yep. It is reassuring, though, because Weber walks in and says, how's Maggie doing? And he yep. says, her father's all better. Does that mean she's coming home? Okay, so on the Maggie thing, her name is in – still comes up at the start. That's true. I saw it. I was like, oh, it just said Kelly McCreary. She's, she's still involved. Thank God. Well – it's weird that she wasn't in the episode and her name came mm-hmm. up, but I think it just gives us hope that she's coming back. Yeah. Amelia. And I genuinely just think it's because she's having a baby now. That, I just think that must be what it is. She hasn't posted on Instagram since October 1st. So since Grey's Anatomy. That's a long time. Yeah, and her last post was like the ad for season 18 coming back. And then she's just been silent. So I reckon she maybe is contractually has to not post on Instagram at the moment because. People will to be keep like, the illusion alive. Totally. That's my look. That's my two cents. That's my thoughts. We do get a, a little cheeky flirty flirt from Amelia and Kai at the very start of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, Megan and Megan's in Farouk's hospital room, and he's getting prepared for surgery. So she has a chat with Wilson and Hayes about it, Winston. and she does tell. Sorry, Winston and Hayes about it, and she does tell uh Hayes this bit I loved that if you hurt him and he doesn't survive I will hunt you down and I will kill you and she goes to walk away and she turns around she's like no no I have the training yeah that was great (laughs) Owen and Teddy are in with some of the veterans doing their testing and he mentions that they've They've, they've tested, they're building up a really good database of information to go forth with the fire bits. He mentions that he's got in everyone's details except for Noah's, and he says that he thinks that uh, Noah blames Owen for uh, his friend dying, to which one of the veterans like says, he's not the only one. You're like, um... Yeah, what a dick. Okay. And then the screen wobbles a little bit, and apparently we have an explosion. That's 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 what happens. Yeah. So, okay. Bottle up and explode. Oh, let's start with Owen. Let's start with Owen. Yeah. So, this fire pits veteran thing, and I think this is a great thing for him to be doing. I've kind of flipped on this. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I really like that we got to see Owen's PTSD again. And I like that he had coping mechanisms and tools. But what I want is I want I want to see him going to therapy and learning those tools. We saw snippets of it occasionally. I mean, we saw it a million years ago with Christina. I just don't feel like we've really gotten no, into it. No, we had the, the, the kinesthesiologist guy who pushed his hand down to get the reactions, the one that Megan recommended That's right. him. That's right. Um, and he cried and stuff. But yeah, basically he goes full on into PTSD mode. Everyone gets down on the floor and mm-hmm. the veterans really start freaking out that they're being fired upon. And Owen won't stop referring to it as a bomb. So he's he rushes into sort of, you yeah. know, the foyer where Burke and Weber are excitedly talking about the fact that uh, the Weber method continues today. Spoiler alert, it doesn't. So- Owen tells the vets to set up a triage center outside because he's expecting the worst and expecting a lot of injured people from this explosion. Bomb, not bomb. And I actually think this is the better storyline for this episode. This would have been awesome. I agree. Those episodes where there's one big event, you know, everyone's working their hardest and they're really pushed to the limits and the hospital's overflowing and They're great episodes. Well, that's what we were told this episode was going to be. We were told that it was going to be the shooter, the the bus crash, the plane crash, the the pile-up. We we were told that that's what this episode was. was, This was built up. There was even, like, ads (coughs) that were like, get your tissues ready. And, yes, I'm sure if you're a Station 19 watcher, I'm sure. But we'll get to that because I have yeah. thoughts. But, yes, this this idea that there happened to be veterans there and Owen told them to start up a triage centre and then at the same time, I'm going to bring in the Weber method because mm. you brought it up before. At the same time, Weber and his kiddos, it's like, oh, it's Weber method day. 
Imagine if they were working with the vets in the triage center. Correct. Great episode. Amazing. Because the, 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 the babies are all running around being like, what surgeries are we going to get to do today? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And none, we, get a little, kids, we, we, get, we get a little <laughs> hint at the Weber method because Owen, no one tells us this until much later in the episode, but Owen starts ordering Levi around. He says, okay, I need you to set up the OR with this. I need you to cancel all elective procedures. I need you to X, Y, Z. We find out much later in the episode for about 10 seconds that as part of the Weber method, Levi is in charge of trauma for a month, which is really exciting. Yeah, but that's that's a great storyline. And if there was patients flooding this hospital, how exciting. How exciting if Levi steps up to the plate because Owen's – just trying to focus on his own mental health. Great. I do really Great. like the way that they portray Owen's panic attacks. With the camera lens being like a bit fisheye. Yeah, they do this fisheye camera length where everything around exactly what he's looking at is blurry, but he still can't concentrate on the words that people are saying. And I was watching it and I was like, oh, yeah, that's um, that's it's very, very good. Whoever whoever designed the cinematography on this episode absolutely has anxiety and panic attacks, and they did a great job. I think that's why this storyline should have been given more, because this is a huge thing to talk about and discuss and to have on the show, and it's a great storyline, and we just didn't get enough of it. All that we really see is Teddy coming in with tidbits of, are you okay? That's yeah. that's sort of it. And Teddy's a, a non-entity in this episode. And Teddy? <laughs> You've got to give me that yeah, one. She doesn't really have her own storyline. She's really just She's not going to give me that one. Doing a little bit of exposition. She never likes my puns. <laughs> I do like your puns. I'm just thinking. I have a lot to say. All right, go. Well, I don't now. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, there could have been so many different storylines that come off this, and we really haven't seen a cataclysmic event in ages. I don't know if we actually discussed it in the last episode, but I know that we personally discussed who we thought was going to be killed off because we we totally thought that this was going to be a culling episode because yeah. every season when we get too many characters and too many storylines like we have now, like what we saw when um, Jackson and April's interns came through and joined the um, Grey Sloan team, we had the the gun massacre and that culled off a lot of unnecessary characters. And as we've been saying this entire season, it's really hard to keep track of because there are so many storylines because there are so many characters in it that we assumed that this was going to be the episode where at least what four or five people were gonna disappear yeah for sure I was expecting that I was expecting this episode to really shake things up and get this show a little bit back on track and slim down the cast and um we got nothing we got we just got more characters, honestly. Well, we got more characters for half a minute. It feels like those two veterans are going to come back again. Yeah, they, they will come we'll back talk again. talk about Minnesota in a minute. Yeah. I feel like this really cemented Megan in being on the show the character. Yep. Yeah. It's a full-time character. Yeah. Um, so Owen's storyline, basically, we see a lot of the OR being set up and ready to go, but empty. We see a lot of Owen having really intense panic attacks and showing heaps of signs of PTSD um, and how he's sort of dealing and breathing through that. And it is kind of odd and exactly as Tamsin was saying, it would have been nice to see more of how he's dealing with it because all we're seeing is him having panic attacks and doing really, really irrational things until the very end of the episode where he's sort of grounded grounded a bit by Teddy and, uh, and then he's he's given some news about well he's he's finally told about Megan and Farouk and it kind of snaps him out of it and brings him back to the real world and he, he goes to comfort his sister um, because we do never actually have an influx of patients to the OR, which was the most disappointing thing about this episode for me. Yep, we had nothing. So so let's go to Megan and Farouk now because that kind of leads straight into it. Mm-hmm. Winston and Hayes are operating on Farouk. He's already gone in. The explosion goes off. And Megan comes just bursting into this surgery 
and refuses to fucking leave. And you can see that Hayes and Winston are furious about this and do not agree with it at all because we've seen this so many times in Grey's Anatomy where surgeons have tried to watch the surgeries of their loved ones and they're they're told to get out for valid reasons. Super valid reasons. But, um, yeah, Hayes and Winston are absolutely terrified that she is going to murder them in their sleep if uh, she doesn't <laughs> – if yep. she isn't allowed to stay. But I also – and I also think this is really just to give Megan and Hayes more screen time together because they're really pushing this little budding romance on us, which I'm fine with, honestly. It's really cute. I was excited about the Meredith and Hayes, but oh, that's – that's gone. That's t- totally Have gone. Have you noticed that – um, the Hayes and Megan subtle flirtation jabbing is exactly the same as the Hayes and Meredith subtle flirtation that we had. No, but you're right. The dynamic's very similar. Their dynamic's very similar. The dynamic's very similar. Mm-hmm. Is he the only the only male character in this series who hasn't aggressively pursued a woman who has set boundaries? Hmm. He's our modern man. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I'm going let's let's keep that keep that little nugget around. We'll keep assessing that. That's good. I wonder. And then she hums the little show, the show tunes. I I'm only bringing this up because Hayes starts singing Postman Pat. Yeah, because they have to like <laughs> wait for his heart to stop swelling or something and so he he sits he's like someone get me a stool and he sits down and he's like Postman Pat, Postman Pat, Postman Pat, and his black and white, black and white cat. So is that not on in America? That's my main question. Do Americans not have Postman Pat? Do Americans not know what Postman Pat is? That blows my mind. It was very English, though. It was British, right? No, but I'm saying, like, if it's a British show, America might not have had it, and that might have been the reason that we had it. Does that mean they didn't have Pingu or Brum either? No. Can you imagine your childhood without Pingu? I hated Pingu. You hated Pingu? No, no. Yeah, I don't like Pingu. No, no. It annoyed me. No. Don't. No. Nah, I can't. It's too annoying. I hated that. I'm so upset with you. Why do I keep getting upset with you in these episodes? She wears clothing to bed. She doesn't fuck with Pingu. She thinks Izzy's a good housemate. No, no. Jesus Christ. I don't fuck with Pingu. <laughs> So after Fruit comes out of surgery, Fruit made it through. Megan's sitting at his bedside and finally Owen and Teddy find out what's been happening and they come in and they say, you don't have to go through this alone, Megan. We're family. We'll always be here. And she obviously has a lot of issues because she says that's what everyone says before they go, before they leave. And Teddy says, not this time. And this is what makes me think, all right, she's in. She's a character now. She's staying. Which I'm fine with. I really like Megan. I just, I'm just not fine with how many storylines they try to stuff into an episode. Mm-hmm. It's like me and tacos. I put way too much in a taco. It all falls out. Oh, so pro tip with your tacos. You want to put a second soft, when you see them in the States, they always have two soft tacos in one. So what you do is you pick up the first one and you eat that over the second one and everything that drops out creates another taco. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, that's exactly what they should do with these episodes. They should, if they're going to put this many storylines in, make it a double. Uh, season 18, episode 5.5. Thank you. Well, this took so long to get up on the uh, asterisk, completely illegal streaming services that we used to watch it, asterisk, that we just assumed that it, it was, was going to be a double episode. Yeah. All right. So do you want to do station 19? No. I want to do Minnesota. All right. <laughs> not ready to talk about station 19 absolutely delicious we had a very good time in minnesota no i have problems with minnesota why okay why number one? Oh, actually what happens in minnesota where do we where do we open up okay so minnesota we open up with kai and amelia mm-hmm. and they're being very cute and kai is saying you'll never get here earlier than me i'm always the first one here cute and amelia is like oh i was trying to be first but i wasn't you know like Mm-hmm. Funny Amelia voice. I find Amelia's voice very funny. She's always a little bit jokey. I know exactly the tone that you're talking about as well. Yeah. And I can't do it. And I've tried to imitate it and I can't do it. So Kai and Amelia, this little flirtation mm-hmm. is great. I'm I'm loving it. 
I'm here for it. But I just want to say, how does Amelia just act like Link is nothing to her now? Nothing. Just just erase that part of her life. Oh, just, just he is an, an amoeba. They were in love. They had a baby together. Was, they mm. were stuck in lockdown together for so long. And now she's just like, nah, can't even think about, like, absolutely, like it never happened. Like it was maybe a little flirtation, not someone that you were in love with and had a life and a baby with. They were at the point where one half of the party thought they'd been together long enough and were so connected that they could get married. I just think, I just feel bad for Link. Okay, so when we were talking about characters we thought were going to get 86th in this episode, Link was the first one to come up because as we have established... Mm. Characters only exist in Grey's Anatomy if they have a romantic inclination. Yes, we have. Mm-hmm. But I guess it's not so much romantic, but he's very connected to Joe now. True. That is a platonic love. But Link was one of the characters that we thought was going to be killed off this week. Like, if you had to pick some people, he's not really bringing much to the show right now. No. And Amelia couldn't give a shit. She's off I fucking Kai in Minnesota, Mm. which I love. I just want to say, like, I'm really, really here for Amelia and Kai. I just really wish we'd gotten a couple of grieving episodes or like something to kind of so we could be with her on the journey for when she goes, okay, that's done. But not just like, will you marry me? No. Will you marry me? No. Will you marry me? I don't even know who you are anymore. You don't exist to me. Thanks. Bye. The start of this season was so strange and it's still stranger still like you're saying we they they had a whiteboard of all the storylines and someone's just come in in the night and rubbed it all out and everyone's forgotten what was on it because suddenly gray and Hayes had a relationship that disappeared into nothing same with amelia and link joe's storyline is just i would like to have more of that we're only seeing tidbits of her um teddy and owen suddenly got married again and like dealt with all of their relationship problems. And it's just, they're just, I'm so angry. For a show that's been going for this long and for characters that we're so invested in, I want to, I want to know how they're dealing with all their stuff. I want to know how Joe's going being a mum now. I, I want to be there for them. I want to, I want to watch Bailey deal uh, with. Actually, no, that's, that's another storyline that they just wiped clean. Like, Bailey adopted a child and we've never seen him again. I want to watch Owen deal with his PTSD. I want I want to be there for my friends and no one's letting me be there. <laughs> That's so rough. You are so right. But it's just they're they're just not gonna let us do it, apparently. We are not entitled to it. And I'm I'm really interested in hearing everyone else's thoughts about how you're feeling about this season entirely. Are you sitting on my and Tamsin's side where you're like, I miss my friends and I don't know how to deal with that. It's like we're only seeing them on Instagram. You know, you just see a little flick of what's going on in their life, but you have no idea what's really happening. So, you know, when you introduce a friend to a new TV show and instead of starting at the beginning, they just come and sit on the couch and join you watching episode six of season 10, I feel like we've, something's happened between season 17 and season 18. And suddenly I don't know Grey's Anatomy anymore. It's like there's a spin-off show we're not aware of. And it's called like The Medicine at Home. And it's all of them just dealing with their problems and we're not allowed to watch it. <laughs> so let's go back to Minnesota. Let's get back on track. So basically Minnesota starts off and normally I'm, I'm your gal, with all the medical details. Yeah. This is the first time this season that we have heard Grey utter more than approximately five words. And that was so exciting. Yep. But for the first five minutes of Minnesota, they were talking about stuff. And when I say stuff, I mean, let me see if I can get this. So this, this, was, this was a, a kerfuffle of a time. So, basically what they're trying to do is they have taken the cure that they have created. It is a chemical compound that reacts with the brain tissue. 
And what they need to do is inject it into brain tissue. And they've made these 3D molds using gel, goo, squishy stuff. Karasic. Karasic. David Hamilton finally got his name. So the doctor who was the dad in the OC, his name is David Hamilton. And I realized, and I went back through the episodes, they've never mentioned his fucking name. (laughs) So I had to look this up. So they've got the cells, which they need to inject into the jelly brains. And the jelly brains are made up of brain tissue that was used, taken from David Hamilton's brains. And they've turned that brain tissue, I assume they've whipped it up into a flurry and made it into these silicon jelly mold things where they will inject the cells, the cure, to make (laughs) the Parkinson's go away. We're in this beautiful lab and they've got like a slither of jelly and they've they've dyed the cells blue and they've got to inject it into the jelly. So Kai, Meredith and Grey are standing around as they inject the blue cells into one of the blobs and they all grimace and they're all upset and David Hamilton is there going, oh, what's wrong? What's wrong? It, 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 it injected into the goo and apparently... When you inject it into the goo, instead of staying in a blob, it's supposed to spread out. And then we get a sassy as fuck knock on the door saying, hi, I see how you fucked up here. And it's Karasic. Great. Great. What an injection of life into this episode, honestly. I'm so excited that he's back. I hope he's really back and not just back for a little cameo. Because this character, honestly, he brings some drama. He just says what he's thinking. So Karasik basically comes in and says, hi, how you doing? I'm saving your your study. And David Hamilton is very upset because he wants to keep this entire study as secretive as can be. He wants no one to know about it. So when Karasik walks in, he is mad. He is furious that someone is allowed in this lab. And Grey basically explains in more than three words, like Grey talked a lot and she had some like sassy comebacks and stuff. It was very, very fun. But she explains that Amelia needed another brain surgeon because they were really struggling with this part of the experiment. Um, So she brought in Karasik because him and Avery are building this foundation and Karasik has all the money and he actually supplied all the jelly brains and without him it would have taken weeks and weeks and weeks for it to happen. And so they're standing around and they inject it again and Karasik gives his opinion to which David Hamilton turns around and goes, who asked for your opinion? And he's like, literally everyone in this room asked for my opinion. And then daddy just storms out of the room. Um, And we get a really cute chat between Kai, Amelia and Karasik where we find out that Kai actually studied with Karasik on injectables because Karasik wrote a, a, a few papers on it. They say something a little bit untoward about Karasik to Amelia and you kind of get the impression that Karasik hit on them. So Amelia defends him saying he saved my life. He's a great surgeon. He's just a bit of an arsehole. I don't know what that was. I think it'll come out definitely. It'll definitely come out. But something happened and Kai is not a fan, which is fine. So while they're having a little catch up, Grey goes after Dave Hamilton to find out what the fuck his problem is. But also... In the little catch-up, we just have to – the most important thing that happens in this little catch-up is Karasik says, how's your little family? To Amelia. is very intrigued, very shocked, because obviously Amelia has not talked about the fact she has a kid or a link because she just doesn't – they don't exist to her anymore. Actually, we've never seen Amelia looking after a child, ever, at all. Not since they – well, not since they were in um, lockdown. No. She just – We haven't seen her in Scout this season. Of course Link's going to name his child Scout. So my second problem with Minnesota is probably around this time, right? Grey goes off to talk to Nick. We'll get to it because that was infuriating. Why isn't any of them calling Seattle to be like, are my kids okay? Why hasn't anyone called them? Surely they would have heard about it, right? They're saying a whole building goes up, which I guess means in flames because it's the fireys who are doing stuff. That would be on the news. Yeah. If a whole block went up in flames and had a big explosion anywhere in Australia, it would be like an alert on our phone. Would it? 
I have the news app. It would come up. You sure? Be like breaking news. I don't news. know. I don't think so. Really? Think about all the news we missed out on last year just purely because of COVID. Or every time we've been into lockdown, we just don't find out stuff's happened because our news feed is just filled with that stuff. Also, are they even allowed phones in the super secret private lab? Yes, they're too rich to not be allowed their phones. Yeah, but I feel like someone would have called them at least. Totally. Anyway, the the seg the separation between Minnesota and Seattle is wild to me. How they're not connecting at all. Like it's two separate shows. We're watching two completely separate shows. We're watching three completely separate shows. We're Thank you very much. Three separate shows. It's too much. It's three much. <laughs> I'll give you that. <laughs> so in our Minnesota show, Karasik asks about the family. Meredith goes to talk to Hamilton and Meredith asks him, what is your problem with Karasik? And he's like, it's private. It's, it's nothing. It's private. And she's like, okay, what is your problem with Karasik? And he says, he slept with my daughter. Big All right. Whip, and the questions, the questions that she asks him really intrigue me considering her experiences in her internship years. She asks, was she underage? No. Was he taking advantage of her? No. Was he in a position of power over her? No. Did he manipulate her? No. Did he abuse her in any way? No. Was it consensual? Yes. Cool. So you're upset that a consenting adult had sex with another consenting adult, correct? And he's just like, well, it's the principle. I own her. She's my property. And another man is not allowed to touch my property. So this is really fucked up for two reasons. One, the fact that everything she mentioned was exactly what Derek did to her when they first started dating. If you haven't listened to our season one, we go into this quite a lot, actually, as we're re-watching and watching the behavior and what kind of coercive methods Derek really uses on Meredith because you, you think you look back in a nostalgic way thinking how they had such a perfect, happy relationship. It was so romantic and beautiful. and But it doesn't start off that way. No, it starts off really manipulatively. Um, so fair warning for um, we will ruin your memories of season one, Grey's Anatomy. Um, but yeah, and the other big thing for me in this one is the whole like, he can't sleep with my daughter because she's my daughter and it feels very... Um, that feels more manipulative than him just sleeping with yeah, her. Yeah, very... It's very old school, this idea of... Ownership. Correct. Um, that it's my daughter. And it's like, do you want to sleep with her? Is that why you're upset? Like, do you, do you think she's not having sex as an adult? It's bad. It's really bad. Um, so then Grey finishes this conversation, doesn't settle him down at all. And she's basically like, it's my lab. You gave me permission to do what I want. And he's like, he will not be stepping foot in my study. His name will not be on the research papers. And he also is like, it's actually, it's my lab. It's my money. My lab, my research, my money. Which is a red flag. And Grace just like, so you want to completely destroy this entire study because of a grudge you have. Because two people had consensual sex. Um, so then she goes and talks to Nick about it. And this seemed to confuse the ever-loving shit <laughs> out of Tamsin. So you're about to hear Tamsin's message that she sent to me about this and hear her boyfriend's adorable accent. Are we ready? So I don't remember Nick working here. What's he doing? Wait, where is here? She just walked into an office and he's wearing a flannel well, shirt I with think, no t-shirt. Well, she's there. still at the... She's just walked up from the lab, right? Because she's talking about the doctor to well, him. Titty just teleported, so maybe she can teleport too. I, I don't understand what his job is. I feel like I missed an episode. Was he a doctor? Wasn't he a patient? I don't know who the fuck this guy is. He was a patient, but he's also a doctor? But why is he sitting... A, where are they? In a leather chair, mahogany desk? What the fuck? Is he chief of this hospital? Honestly. <laughs> 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 to which I just turned around and was like... Guys, since the start of the Minnesota storyline, he has been there because he works at this hospital. No, no. But I just know that Tom's main complaint was, why is he wearing a flannel shirt without a T-shirt underneath? That was his main, that was Tom's main problem. Because chiefs of hospitals we see in this world, they kind of dress up nicely. If this guy wandered down to tell me that something was wrong with my 
mother and I wanted to sue the hospital and he was the big boss they brought down. I'd be so confused. Do you think he's giant? Like you're wearing a flannel. Hang on, sorry. He's not chief, right? What is, can we, I still have all these questions. What is Nick's job? He's a surgeon. He's just a surgeon? In what field? He just has an office because this is a significantly fancier hospital than Seattle Graves. I assume that Gray, well, look, Gray is chief of general, right? Yeah. Maggie is chief, chief of cardio. Owen's chief of trauma. I assume that they all have offices. We just don't but see them. But we just them. don't see their office. Correct. And that also leads me to assume that by the look of the set for the Gray Lab, they spent a lot of fucking money on that set. So they probably couldn't afford to build a whole other hospital or film in a whole other hospital. Um, so they were like, shit, we've, we've got the ugly concrete walkway that they've passed each other in. May as well just give him an office with a Ferrari of a desk. I'm sorry. You, when, when Meredith met Nick, it wasn't at a hospital. It was, yes, it was at the hospital. No, it, was at the, it was at the hotel. That she was staying at at the hospital when she was visiting the hospital. And he was there visiting but a friend. why was he there? Because you forget in America. So it's, it's okay. So what we forget as Australians is that everywhere else in the world, the best restaurants and bars are in hotels. I just had this conversation recently. In, in Australia, generally the restaurants and bars in hotels are not where you want to hang out. They are not good. They do not know how to make a Negroni from personal experience. Right now in Melbourne, we're seeing this huge tra- change where we've had these giant five-star luxury hotels all up and up, open up since we've been in quarantine. Uh, and there's four of them with another two on the way. And the restaurants, but we haven't had great hotel restaurants and bars. So he was there to go to the restaurant at the hotel that she was staying at. But we've never seen them both at there's been no kind of establishing, hey, we both work at this hospital. Yes, we have. When they were like, yeah, when they were both walking past each other and she's like, oh, you've just come out of surgery. Oh, I'm just going in. In the concrete That was like walkway. in a car park. No, that was in, that's, I'm assuming that's the entrance to the hospital because we've seen it a couple of times. I hate it. I hate this storyline. Fine. Let's move on. I hate it. No, no, no. We, we need to talk about what they discussed. Oh, yeah. Okay. Meredith basically is like, oh, this dude I'm working with, David, is a big baby and he's having a tantrum. How do I cope with it? And then Nick's just like, oh, yeah. Also, how how did I not know he was a big baby? Is he being a manipulative asshole? Was I – what did she say? Was I – I fell for the charm or something. Yeah, did I fall for the charm? Mm. And he's like, did he lead you to believe that he was wanting to do something about Parkinson's for the greater good? And she's like, yep. He's like, cool. You fell for the charm. Mm. He's a self-indulgent. Narcissist. Asshole. And she suddenly realizes, she's like, have I made a mistake? And he's like, I don't know if you've made a mistake, but you definitely fell for the charm. Yeah, which is really interesting. So this whole storyline could take a massive turn now. I kind of hope they just scoop up Kai and all go back to Graceland. Yeah, they don't have a multi-million dollar lab. Nah, but they stopped doing it because it's not Meredith's dream anyway. Such, I think this whole storyline and Grey's involvement in this whole storyline is A, so she can date Nick, and B, so Amelia can have a spin-off show. I actually kind of have a weird feeling that potentially Ellen Pompeo has said, I only really like working with uh, Katrina Scorsone, Amelia. Amelia. That's her favourite person to have scenes with. They must actually get along. Potentially Ellen's caught. Look, this is me reading into it. Maybe Ellen's causing Mm -hmm. a bit of tension on the old grey set. Am I the drama? So they've moved her somewhere else. So she doesn't have to have scenes with all these people that maybe they don't get along with. If one person doesn't get along with everyone else, well, then what's the defining factor of what's going wrong? Well, the problem is that the show's named after her character and she can't go anywhere. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally aware. But um, it was really, really nice to see a little bit of the old Grey back. It was nice to see her actually talking and having yeah. conversations and being sassy. And, and that, was, that, was, that was great. We, we loved that. That was, it was so nice. Um, it was so to, nice. To sort it of felt wrap like she up, was a real character again. To wrap up this storyline a bit, we go back to the lab and 
it's late in, at night and Kai and Amelia are kind of playing a little bit of chicken. Who's going to go home first? Kai says, I never, I'm, I'm always the last one here. And you can tell it's, they both just like being in each other's company. Like each other's aura. It's nice. It's really nice. And then Kai just casually tries to bring up, hey, remember before when Tom mentioned your little family? What's the deal there? Just ask it. Just not that I care. Just just asking. Just wondering. Just wondering. Wondering what that is, which is not very sly at all, but very cute. Yeah, it's like I think I'm being sly, but the second it's coming out of my mouth, I know that this is not sly in the slightest. <laughs> yeah, but Amelia's here for it, and Amelia is forced to say that she has a son, and that son has a lovely father, but she's single. Mm-hmm. But I am. Single. What, 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 what about you, Kai? Are you, are you married? It's so cute. (laughs) To which we get the best. This was the most shocking thing in the episode for me. This was what made my heart drop when Kai goes. This is immediately when I sent you that message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kai's like, I'm married. It's like, (gasps) (gasps) Oh, this was the this was the shock of the episode <laughs> to this lab, and then again, <gasps> great, and the twinkles great. in the eyes, the little sparks are flying everywhere. Fuck again! I'm reminded of how great, how glad I am that we don't record these. The amount of arm flapping that I do. I was obsessed with that. How amazing! Do you also want to know Kai's real name? Not was- Kai's name in real life. Is mm. ER Fightmaster? I just <laughs> have to bring that up. I just realised that I'm silent because no one can actually see that my jaw is like drooling onto my desk. ER Fightmaster? Yes. Excuse me? ER Fightmaster. Is there is there backstory? Did you do more research? Are they a kickboxer in real life? Like, well, Fightmaster is their last name, and E dot R is how they. What they're, how they're going, how they're using their first name. Dude Master is a, a, an actual last name in German, but it's Meister. Yeah, this is M A S T, Fight Master, like the master of fighting. Extremely eternal, <gasps> eternal reigning Fight Master. That's it. Great, hey. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to know more. We're going to have to do some more research on that one. Um, So that's really cute. They do a little nod. And then Grey is on, again, in public, on FaceTime, out loud, apparently saying goodnight to Zola. Because I think the the writers have realised that she hasn't spoken to her children in months. But she's on a rooftop at a bar, so Zola can't fucking hear her anyway. Uh, And then we see Nick walk up to it. She promptly hangs up on Zola. Yeah. And they stand very close together. Yeah, neither of us are impressed. They kissed. We don't care. Mm-hmm. There you go. They kissed. Wow. Both of us really don't care about their love, yeah. do we? Yeah. I just, I just, I'm here for Amelia and Kai. I got way more excited about that. Yeah. I think that they really wanted everyone to really fall for this storyline. Mm-hmm. And we just like it's it's a really cinematically it's a really beautiful scene there on this this beautiful rooftop bar. There's festoon lights. We can see over the the Minnesotian city, and it's twinkly and it's beautiful. And they they embrace and they have a little kiss, and then they have an awkward giggle, and then they have a more awkward kiss. And it's there's I assume a drone flying around them taking this video, and it's it's it's, it's yeah. Sure. Look, I think. I think the problem I have with it is that the show went about introducing him to us in the wrong way. So I feel cheated by the show. Happy that Meredith's happy, happy that Nick's happy, whatever. I'm angry at the show for the way they introduced this storyline because we all left season 17 excited about Hayes and Meredith. That had been building for a long time. So excited. If Hayes was on that rooftop, mm, I would be squealing. They just... They just made us care about this relationship for so long and then we didn't get it at all, at all. And then first episode back, they're teasing us 
so hard about a character almost like a beloved character was coming back and it was going to be so exciting. And then we get this dude that was in like one episode a million years ago. They're just making it really hard. They're making it really hard. And I'm just angry. They're making it really hard to be on the side of these two getting together. We have to do it now. It, we, it's ready. We're primed and ready. Let's head on back to Gray Sloan. All right. There has been a explosion. We are prepped and ready for an incoming of of so many ambulances. We are ready. We are primed. We have the Weber method. We have got triage. We've got beds set up, up the wazoo, and we are ready to go. So the first patient that we get in is Victoria. Yeah. So we've met her before. And Victoria, I'm pretty sure she was the one that dated Avery for a hot minute. Yep. She's lovely. Totally. She's doped out of her brain on morphine. Uh, and we find out that she was on a ladder and then the second, cause there was two explosions. The second explosion happened and she wakes up and is being resuscitated by Dean Miller. And she's really cute. She says, I think he was making out with me. I think he's in love with me. She's like off her brain on morphine this entire episode. Mm-hmm. So she's being treated. She's got a big burn on her arm and she's cardiac arresty and stuff. And that's fine. And this is where we really get to see uh, what a connection Bailey has with the Station 19 group. Which is great because that just must mean she's in Station 19 a little bit. Because no one's one's, And she has a relationship with these people. No one's coming in. There's no doctors. There's nothing. Oh, yeah. So Joe and Bailey are hanging out at the front waiting for uh, ambulance and stuff to come. Because they've they've prepped everything, right? They're all... Totally expecting there to be a slew of ambulances coming in and people rushing in in cars. Yeah, and what I find weird, every other time there's some sort of something happening in Seattle and they're all getting ready to take incoming traumas, there's normally a line of surgeons out there waiting. Joe just completely forgets that Bailey is married to a firefighter and says it's really quiet, everyone's either dead or at Seattle press. So Bailey just tells her to fuck off and go back to OB and deliver babies. Mm. Uh, and a fire truck comes screaming in. And Bailey's obviously freaking out, thinking, oh, shit, it's Ben, it's Ben, it's Ben, it's Ben. Um, but no, it's it's Pat, who's another mm-hmm. person, um, and he has injuries. So he comes in, and then following that is another ambulance. And Dr. Weber's come out at this point to help Bailey with because he's hurt the surgeons. And Bailey just says, no siren, no rush. There's a dead person in there. There's a dead person in there. And obviously going, oh, fuck, it's Ben, it's Ben, it's Ben, it's Ben. This was a really strong scene. I think this is one of the strongest scenes in the episode. This was really well done. Grey's Anatomy is really good when it makes you think about things that maybe you aren't at the forefront of your mind. Never really thought about that before. And Chandra Wilson is such a great actor. She really conveys how terrified she is in this moment. And the way she says that line, it's great. This is a great tiny little scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the back, the door opens and the first person to step out of that ambulance is Ben. And Ben is devastated. Ben is in tears. And the person that comes out of the ambulance, who is DOA, is Dean Miller. Now, you'll all remember Dean Miller from last season, season before. He was the adorably bumbly firefighter who was trying to hit on Maggie and was just the cutest little button in the world. Do you remember he ended up at that family dinner? Catherine, Chief, Jackson. Yeah. Jackson and his new girlfriend. Yeah. That was awkward as heck. So he comes out of the back of the ambulance with an intubation tube in and these really gnarly burns all over his face. He has passed away. Ben is devastated. Absolutely devastated. And Bailey is also very, 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 very upset. Uh, We get to know that they're very good friends and they have a relationship outside of Grey's Anatomy and they're all very close. And then Ben tells Bailey a little, little secrety secret he's been keeping. Nothing, nothing big, nothing that you would bother discussing with your partner at all. Like, why would you, why would you even? <sighs> yeah. So Ben just mentions, he says something like when they're in the water. So I'm assuming there's been some sort of life or death situation where Ben and this other firefighter, at that point, he asked if I would take his toddler, Prue, if something ever happened to him. And Bailey says, was that like a 
end of life kind of chat? Like you both thought you were going to die. So you said that, or was that a real thing? Did you get that in writing? Yeah. Did you get that in writing? He just says, oh, it was actually the second time he'd asked me. You fucking what? You what? You, You accepted to take a child? This is a child. This is a toddler. And Ben just comes back with a, well, you brought an 18 year old home and didn't ask me about it. And then this other firefighter that we kind of know, the girl who's kind of always there, comes over and she's like, so I'm going to go pick up Prue from daycare. Are you guys taking it? <laughs> it's like, sorry. How do these two have so little respect for each other and their relationship that they don't feel comfortable having these discussions? Like, I get home and the littlest thing that happened to me, damn, like, Evan, 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 Evan. Hey. <laughs> how do you How do you not, after you've been in what was apparently a life, life or death situation where you're drowning, talk to your partner and be like, it was so fucked up. We were talking about what we we're going to do at the end of the life. And he, you know, he, he asked me if I would, if I would take his child, if he passed away, my wife, the love of my life, the person I share everything with, where do you stand on this? This is the biggest problem as well. When Bailey kind of explains her fear, I mean, apart from the fact that this other firefighter comes in and it's like this whole conversation about Ben being godparent to this child is so well known They all just accept that that's what's happening. But Bailey is only just finding out. That's so upsetting to me. Um, But I was also so upset with Bailey when she took in that 18-year-old without talking to Ben. So it's like like they're playing – what are they doing? They're playing tit for tat with adopting children? Yeah. That's exactly what I said. This is is terrible. So then Bailey comes out with the most perfect rationale when she says, yeah – I've always wanted a daughter. Also, by the way, Bailey's just had a miscarriage pretty recently and she was really excited to be pregnant. Oh, gosh, that was devastating. Yeah. So she – it's not like she wouldn't take in a kid, but her rationale is perfect. It's like I want a daughter so badly that I would take this one home and love it, but it has family. Its grandparents could come at any moment and take – the child away and she would then again have to lose another child bailey's explaining this to joe and she's about to go into her reasoning and joe just cuts her off and says that child would be so lucky i think it's kind of unfair for joe to dismiss bailey's concerns like that and i know joe is a new mother of an adopted child so she definitely has her own kind of bias going on there and she grew up without a family So she, you know, is really coming from this from a really personal angle and really coming at from her own eyes and her own experience, which is understandable. But to not even let Bailey explain, because Bailey needs to talk about it. You can see Bailey wants to explain this predicament. She wants to talk about it because she's had absolutely no time to process. And Joe just kind of dismisses her completely. And I think that's really unfair. And then at that moment, the kid is pushed in front of Bailey's face. And Bailey has just said, if she sees this kid... She will fall in love with this kid. So this is so manipulative. It's like, here is the baby that doesn't have any family. Here she is. Like, hands her to Bailey. And then Bailey just cries and hugs her. And it's really beautiful, but it's like, fuck. Oh, and this is just the chubbiest, cutest little child. I've, I, I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, my God, babies are so cute. No, I'm not that person. But this... This chubby-cheeked little cherub is the sweetest thing I've ever seen. If this, I don't know if this kid has been on Station 19 before. Probably has. But if it hasn't, then the casting, the casting of like, it kind of looks like Bailey. They actually have some similarities. It's pretty good. <gasps> oh, you're right. It's even, even the, the baby's mm. haircut. It's like... If that's not manipulation enough, just putting it in front of Bailey to actually kind of make it look like Bailey, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. And they better fucking get it in writing. If they adopt this child, they better get it in writing. Well, I don't know how they think they could. Honestly, this, this child has grandparents. I don't know why on earth the hospital would even be willing or the social worker would even be willing to hand this child over to them before going to direct family. Yeah. It makes no sense. Totally. Um, My stepsister just had a baby. And if something happened, God forbid, to my sister and her partner, if it came out that 
their baby had gone to my sister's partner's workmate, all the grandparents would be in there in a heartbeat. They'd be like, what are you talking about? This is stupid. We're taking him. What, who is this random person that, you know, works with this? Like, no, that's not happening. So this is very unfair on Bailey. End of story. Correct. There, I just don't see any rational way as to how the child wouldn't be taken away, though. Like, there isn't. There's no rational way. Is, is it? Do we just need to? Do we just need to follow the dopamine? Do we just need to believe that real life situations wouldn't come into it? But like this, actually, this all sparks a conversation between Joe and Link. This is really quick, so I think we can throw it in here. Where Joe is really concerned, she says to Link, if something happened to me, what would happen to Luna? And he instantly, this is very obvious anyway, he's like, I've got Luna. Then it just makes me go, get it in writing, I reckon. They have it in writing. He he could take Luna away from her at any time because he is legally the parent of Luna. Cool. Really dumb conversation, but you get a really cute thing of them walking off into into the darkness with their little prams. So are they going to be a fam, uh, an alternative family unit? I reckon. And I hope it stays like that. I don't want them to make them. I don't want to make them romantic. I think it's more interesting that they're not. Agreed. So that's kind of all the main things that happen. But I do really want to just have a chat about this concept of crossover episodes because they're not working. Excuse me, people that work on this show, Shondaland, this is not working. Give it up. No. Stop it. Just stop it. If I was a Station 19 lover, watcher, and I didn't watch Grey's Anatomy, and a character, a beloved character of mine, died on a show that they're not in, I would be very annoyed about that. But this has happened to us. This is what happened to DeLuca. Uh, yeah. The whole storyline of how DeLuca died, the follow-up of the, the, the woman and the girl who was being sex trafficked, that all happened on station 19 and i was mad uh, um the only crossover that i think i've ever seen that was fine was when brooklyn 99 and new girl technically had a crossover because zooey deschanel's character zooey new girl was zooey yeah zoe zooey it's just zoe zooey it's just zoe <laughs> it's just zoe Anywho. Her character was in oh New God. York, and while she was in New York, Peralta basically took over her car, and they had this really fun chatter all the way through, and that was a really cute crossover, because it had nothing to do with affecting the plot lines of the other TV shows. That's the key. That is the key. Make us fall in love with the characters from another show without actually impacting the storyline of the other show. This was not a crossover. This was a fucking takeover. This episode was a mess. That's just the end of it. Well, on our Instagram, we asked a couple of questions. We we told you all that we were sitting there and we were doing the recording. And the questions I asked was, was it worth the wait? No. Was it worth three weeks wait? Not even a little bit. Did we get three weeks worth of drama and gossip? I mean, they could have fleshed out everything that happened in this episode and made it three episodes. Some of these storylines are great. They just skimmed over them. The next question was, did it live up to the hype? No. I'm just disappointed. There was no explosion. Our ER was not filled. Going on with our uh, theory we had at the start of this season was that every episode related back to its same numbered season. So what happened in season five? That is reflected in this season, in this episode. Oh, Owen come the icicle. Owen gets the icicle. Owen Hunt is comes in. Oh, I think this might be a flashback to Owen. Um, and his This is when we first get the level one trauma center. So I think that this episode is really a flashback to Owen's first sort of becoming a, a sort of more solid character. He comes in. We see a lot about a lot of his PSD and how he's dealing with his PTSD, how he deals with the trauma and how he still is very much a military soldier. Because in this episode, we we see him ordering around the soldiers that he's treating and Teddy even pulls him up and says, hey, they're, they're civilians. You can't, um, you can't order them around. They're not doctors. And he's like, 
they're soldiers. They will do exactly what I tell them, and they are the only ones who are here who are prepared to deal with this these kind of situations. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a bit of a flashback episode, and it does touch a lot on what happened in season five. We Because Owen was such a new character and they did have a new trauma center, we had heaps of trauma-related stuff, and Owen really taking charge and being the real military guy in season five. So our theory still stands. <laughs> That's good. That's very good. We would love to hear what you all thought of this episode. There's a there's a couple of posts up on Instagram. Send us a comment, shoot us a message. We're loving hearing from all of you, but we, were you as disappointed as we were? Do you watch Station 19? Do you have any idea what's going on? I have so many questions. Yeah, any theories at all? would be great. There is some stuff in the news this week, friends, but the problem is in all the articles I found, I can't get exactly when this happened because some of this happened last year and it sounds like some of it has just happened. But basically in the news this week, Isaiah Washington, who plays Burke, has been attacking Ellen Pompeo and Patrick Dempsey on Twitter. What is going on? I can only say it must have to do with the book. I think things, um, people's emotions are getting a bit stirred up over the book. But did you see this? No, I am currently doing a Google. Tell me all about it. This is, this is, this is the gossip that we wanted. We need a little sprinkling of joy this episode. (laughs) I was kind of saving this knowledge for um, when we actually got to it on the, on our recaps, but it is pretty well it is pretty well known that Isaiah Washington was fired for mm-hmm. using a homophobic slur against TR Knight, who is George, and then which kind of forced George to come out as gay in the media and he hadn't come out before. So he had to come out to his family and everything just purely because of what Isaiah Washington did. And then Catherine Heigl stood up for him and helped get him fired off the show. So Isaiah Washington has a lot of pent up feels about this and he really does not like Ellen Pompeo and it has been coming out over Twitter which I think is wild because it's like come on mate it was years ago but I think he's maybe a little bit jealous that there's a lot of resurgence and Grey's Anatomy has come back into you know the zeitgeist with this book coming out so one of his tweets says I had maybe only seven scenes with at Ellen Pompeo for the three years I was on the show Executives told Shonda Rhimes to limit my scenes with her because I dominated them and revealed her mediocre talent. How far? Well, that's why his head's so narrow, so it can fit so perfectly up his own ass. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. He also said, this is the queen that the world loves, a white woman that publicly disparages a black man and former castmate. She's insane and grossly insecure. She's disrespectful and disgusting, actually. These tweets are wild. Like, I, it's it's not not what we've been saying about her since hearing her podcast. She's kind of bratty, but not... Not this bad. Not... Okay, we're going to be doing an extra series. We've both got the book now. We had to wait a really long time for it to come to Australia. Yeah. I'm just going to go through another couple of tweets, but I really want to properly go into this a little bit. So another one goes, it's insanely aggro to yell at a cast member after repeatedly being late when you're literally not in charge at Patrick Dempsey. Oh. And then Patrick Dempsey is a raging narcissist. Has, hashtag privilege violation. Like he is letting it out. Well, I see he never plans on acting ever again. So that's nice. He's chosen a different career path. He's also kind of been saying that he would come back to Grey's Anatomy if they fired Ellen Pompeo, and he believes that Sandra O oh would come with him. <laughs> so, <laughs> he is so butthurt that for the last 10 years we've all been begging for Sandra O oh to come back, but no one's given a fuck about Burke since he left. Nah. We don't care. Nah. I was... We were upset when Christina went to work for Burke after all of that. Like, yeah, he really wants a spin-off show with him and Sandra Oh, and she obviously doesn't give a shit. This is his literal last. No, this is him clinging, grasping at straws because he knows how much more important Sandra Oh is. Mm-hmm. And the only reason for him being around was Sandra Oh. So here we go. This is another tweet. 
I'm happy to return to Grey's ABC as Dr. Burke once Ellen Pompeo is finally gone. I'm sure we could get to your anticipated 20th season with me as the lead. <laughs> Who knows? Even... <laughs> Who knows, even Sandra O oh would join me, but Ellen Pompeo has to go and you know why. Hashtag Burke 20. Burke 20. Burke 20? Oh my God. <laughs> Just, he is, he's on he a tirade. Delusional. He's absolutely. Also, also, it doesn't make any sense for the fucking storyline because he mm. runs his own hospital in Switzerland, right? With his wife and his it's children. It's not Burke's anatomy. Yeah, he's... Yeah. Yeah, I'd be happy to watch a spin-off. Honestly, I'd, I'd watch a spin-off of that hospital. Also, does he remember what a jackass his character was and how much of that character's personality would just absolutely not fly these days? Totally. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He just thinks he's amazing. He basically is Burke, I think. I think he kind of is Burke. He's kind of being talking about how um, Ellen Pompeo allegedly kept quiet about Patrick Dempsey's toxic behavior and was kind of paid out to not talk about it. So, look, it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, it's very, it's very interesting. So I need to get into this book. <laughs> I hope your life isn't as much of a mess as this episode. Focus on one thing. And do it well this week. That might just be like making sure you brush your teeth every day. I'm proud of you. Yeah, you don't need to do all the things. No, just cook one really nice meal for yourself. Take some things off your plate. You've got this. Yeah, just do that one load of washing and that validates everything. Thank you for coming on this wild journey with us this week. It has been a mess. It has been difficult to talk about and we have a lot of feelings. (laughs) I really hope that our feelings resonated with you because I'm going to feel really bad if we are the only people that feel like this. We can't possibly be the only people that feel like this. But look, if you think we are the only people that feel like this, absolutely let us know. Uh, chuck up a post. We'd love to see it. Hashtag scalpels and tequila podcast. Let us know what you think. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye. The, the, the China. Sing it. The, 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 the China. China.